Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You know, trauma stays with you, but I'll, I'll tell you something. We've got a very, very strong community, a very united community. People are very proud from being, of being from Little Village. You know, yesterday we na- named the Little Village Arc a landmark. You know, it was it was tough doing that in the same same week that this was happening with this tremendous tragedy of an eight-year-old girl, beautiful young lady being, being being shot and killed. This community, you know, marched for these people. Hi everybody, I'm Fran Spielman. My guest this week is first-term alderman Mike Rodriguez, who represents Chicago's 22nd Ward, which includes the very proud community of Little Village. Mike, thanks for joining us. Friend, thank you so much for having me. And, and you know, we're living in tough times right now, and I appreciate the opportunity to just have this conversation. What a gut-wrenching week this has been for Little Village. Your constituents and you along with an entire city, grieves with you. An eight-year-old girl walking down the street with her mom in Little Village on a sunny Saturday afternoon was caught in the crossfire of rival gangs. Melissa Ortega and her mom had come to Chicago just months before seeking a better life. And instead, the mother, this grieving mother, will be accompanying her daughter's body back to Mexico for burial. Mike, we live in a city that has grown to become almost numb to seeing innocent children gunned down, but this horrendous crime seems somehow different. Why do you think that is? Well, Fran, um, just a couple of things. One is, you know, uh, death has, has crossed our paths in multiple ways recently. So I just, you know, want to raise up, you know, your husband in my thoughts and prayers as well. Um, but when I think about the incredible tragedy that was this past Saturday, um, you know, I got a call at, at you know, 3.30, a couple moments, minutes after the incident, and it was just gut-wrenching. Um, we were on the call with the police, with our outreach workers who were with the family, receiving updates while, while they were trying to, you know, revive Melissa Ortega, you know, the words can't describe what this feels to me and how this feels to my community. It's, it's absolutely gut-wrenching. Um, it's tragic. You know, the one thing that I've heard from Melissa's mom, uh, Araceli, and from others is that we can't lose hope. You know, I was there with her yesterday at the funeral of her daughter, um, and she talked about how, you know, she f- forgave the individual who did this to her daughter. You know, she was upset. 
She wanted this individual to receive the appropriate justice. But her message was one of forgiveness, was one of, um, you know, just tremendous sorrow. And through that sorrow, you know, she had a message for all of us that we can't lose hope. I think God has sent us um, Melissa and her mother, Araceli, to teach us that we've got a lot more to do. We're all culpable for this in one way or the other. We all as a community, as a city, as a, as a neighborhood need to do more. And, you know, I'm going to take Araceli's lead and, and follow her words the best I can. Take us back to Saturday afternoon. Did you rush to the scene? What did you do? So, you know, I was alerted to, um, to this issue by one of your colleagues. I immediately called uh, our 10th District Police Commander, uh, Will Benson Court, who I think we've talked no less than 30 times uh, since, um, just on updates. And, you know, he gave me the, what happened. He gave me the, the basics. And, you know, I immediately told my wife, um, I was sitting in, in the room with my wife as I was receiving this and my kids were in the, in the living room. I said, Jackie, I, I just, I just can't stay at home. I, I've, I've got to go. And she said, absolutely. No worries. Um, we, you know, we had no family plans that day. She said, do, do what you got to do. So I, I just did what I knew. I, I just called a friend and I said, Hey, come with me. Uh, let's go to the scene. Let's see how we can help. We, you know, we started knocking on doors of businesses and, and, and residents. As a matter of fact, I caught three area four detectives who were knocking on the door of one of my former neighbors who lived about a block from the scene. And I said, Hey, he lives in the basement. Let me go show you where he lives. I knocked on the door. He came out. The detectives only spoke English. He only spoke Spanish. So, you know, I was translating and, and, and he ended up having video of the incidents. Uh, but he didn't know how to, how to, how to leverage the video or get the video down. So the, the police officer, the detective was able to do that for him. And, you know, it's just, that's all I knew what to do. It was just like, I knew I had to go and, and do something. And then right away, it was just fielding calls from residents and, and, and neighbors who were upset, who want to know what was going on. want to know how they can help. I don't know how many calls I've gotten, text messages from people who just wanted to help. I, I think in the next hour here, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go back to the family's house for, a local business owner who shall remain nameless is, 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 is offering their assistance. It's just, it's been that kind of interaction. Uh, yeah, at first we rushed to the scene to see how we can help. But since then, it's been our community coming together to figure out how we could support this family, you know, and to, how, how we could bring some justice to the situation as well. And I've, I'm, you know, listen, people are really scared. People are frightened. People are worried. People want justice. People are mad. Like there's all sorts of emotions. So since then, we've just been dealing with all those emotions and, and trying to do our part in, in what we can. A 16-year-old boy has been charged with shooting Melissa. A 27-year-old man, Xavier Guzman, has been accused of driving the getaway car. According to the police, they spotted three rival gang members standing at the corner of 26th and Kamensky shortly before 3 p.m. Saturday, and Guzman pulled out into an alley and the 16-year-old, dressed all in black, got out and opened fire. Melissa was crossing the street with her mom 
struck in the head as she collapsed as they were running together holding hands. How incredibly heartbreaking. One of the gang members was hit in the back as he ran away and the boy ran back into the car and sped away. How did police manage to solve this horrendous crime when so many other murders and shootings in Chicago go unsolved? Um, it's, it's kind of hard to hear um, you go through the play-by-play, -play, so... Um. You know, um, when I got there, um, I, I saw the scene and it was uh, an incredibly graphic scene that I'm not going to go into. Um, but what you had was community members all around the area communicating with the police. You had people calling 911. You had people turning over their video willfully. You know, this was a crime that was solved because neighbors stepped up and worked with the police. Now, I got to give all the credit that's due. 10th District Police, 4th Area Detectives worked very diligently on this. I was there. I saw them get, doing the hard work, knocking on those doors, and I commend them for that. But I'd also like to commend all of the people of our community who came together to resolve this incident. You know, I was there um, where Chicago survivors and folks from New Life Church were um, with the family, you know, uh, walking with them to resolve these issues. You know, I, I want to recognize the chief medical examiner, Pani Rukumar, who was very sensitive towards this incident and supported the family in, in getting the, you know, what they needed from from, from their office. We have private business owners, many other individuals, residents of our community who have stepped up um, to wrap their arms around Minnesota Ortega's family and, you know, let this be an example of how we can come together to resolve these issues. But to be quite frank, there's a 16-year-old boy from our neighborhood, um, a 16-year-old child in our neighborhood who made the decision to open fire on another human being who was given a gun by an adult Something with, went wrong with, with our community and our city and our society where a six-year-old boy felt like that was a good decision. Um, you know, to me, Melissa Ortega's life is at the forefront here. That's the life that we all know about. But there are multiple lives here that have been impacted and multiple communities that have been impacted by this violence. We need to learn from this and figure out what we're doing wrong as a community and society and what we need to do better. The letter from the mom that was read at the news conference by Matt Mateo, the pastor of New Life Community Church in Little Village, was really heartbreaking. She, as you mentioned, forgave her daughter's killer and said, you were the victim too. You just said that. You believe that. How do we prevent more young people from being the victims too when they get to a point where they think that the better choice the only choice for them is to join a gang and do such a horrendous thing as this. I want, I want to talk a bit about poverty. And really what I'm talking about is poverty of the soul. You know, I think about how I grew up in Little Village. Went to Eli Whitney Grammar School for nine years, K through eighth grade. And 
I remember how many of my classmates on a field trip to the lake saw the lake for the first time in their lives. We live miles from the lake in Little Village. You know, I think about how young people in my community um, grow up hearing about acts of violence and hearing how potentially their family members, how their neighbors have either been the victims or the perpetrators of violence. You know, I think about how we have an enormous gun violence problem in our city and our nation. Uh, Rosanna Ander from the University of, Chicago, University of Chicago Crime Lab said it very well. You know, we don't just have a violence problem. We have a gun violence problem. How is it that a 16-year-old boy and an adult that would see it fit to give a gun to a 16-year-old boy have access to firearms? You know, when I think, think about poverty, I think about that decision. Poverty the so also means how does this young person believe that it's okay to do this, to, to, to shoot another individual? Um, you know, th there's something wrong in our society where people are making those, those decisions and thinking they're logical. Um, you know, I, I, I think there, there's so much to be done. I, I'm still grappling with this and forgive me for kind of rambling because I, I, you know, I'm still dealing with this on multiple levels, a personal level, on a community level, as the alder person of the ward, as an elected official, you know, I'm still grappling as with As a father with, with too, probably. I, I have a four-year-old boy and uh, uh, a nine-year-old and a 10-year-old girl. Um, we go what have you told the them? What have you told them about this? What have they asked you? You know, I try to be as open and honest with my children as possible. And, you know, the four-year-old's not catching much nowadays, but the 10-year-old, the near 10-year-old is. Um, you know, we talk a lot about the community. We talk a lot about safety. Uh, we talk a lot about what's, what's right and wrong. You know, she has questions like, so what's that graffiti over there? Why, why, why is that up there? What does this mean? What does that mean? You know, why is it that um, there was this fight that other day with these people? Um, you know, she is not in a situation where she knows exactly what happened in the situation um, with Melissa Ortega. But let me tell you a different story. Two Halloweens ago, three Halloweens ago now, we were on 26th Street, trick-or-treating. Right by, down the street from our house, we walked from 30th and Lawndale to 26th and Lawndale. And um, we were at a new business. A friend of mine was opening a new, um, a, a new business, and he invited us in, uh, right on 26th and Ridgeway. And 10 minutes after he was discussing his new business and telling us about his new business, his mother rushed in and said, do not, not go outside. Do not go outside because there was just a shooting. And the shooting was of a seven-year-old girl. And mm. we had just been on 26th Street trick-or-treating when a seven-year-old girl got shot. My daughter was seven years old at the 
time. And if it was 10 minutes earlier, that could have been her. Oh my God. You know, Do so, you worry um, about the trauma that your own children and the children in Little Village and other communities that see this around them, there's a mental and an emotional trauma, not just the physical, but that this becomes something that they have to live through. How do you deal with that? That's that's the biggest issue. Um, you know, I grew up in the neighborhood. I know people who were shot. I know people who shot at uh, other individuals. Um, you know, two of my member, two members of my family died violently due to this um, this other pandemic. You know, trauma stays with you. But I'll, I'll tell you something: we've got a very, very strong community, a very united community. People are very proud from being of uh, being from Little Village. You know, yesterday we na- named the Little Village Arc a landmark. Um, you know, it was it was tough doing that in the same same week that. This was happening with this tremendous tragedy of an eight-year-old girl, beautiful young lady being, being, being shot and killed. We were recognizing the economic vitality and the, and the strength of our community as well. We have a very resistant community, a strong community that comes together. This community raised over $70,000 for this family, and it's, and it's, and it's still going. Um, this community, you know, marched for these people the individual for this family um, will continue to fight for peace in our neighborhood. I was at a school right now where 30 parents came together um, because there was a threat at the school. Um, and those parents were very upset about a threat that was made at their school, but they came together and they forced action. So now we have police officers at the front of that school. And, you know, I, I've, I brought some private security in because people are really scared and they have every right to be. Our community comes together and we demand action. And I'm very proud that, that we've, 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 we get it, um, but it's not nearly enough. It's clearly not nearly enough. Um, Are you I'm, worried I'm about retaliation? Very proud of my community. Are you no, worried about I, a retaliatory yes. shooting? Because police have saturated the area. They've got checkpoints and traffic stops and they're worried about it. Are you worried about it? You know, I'm always worried about violence in our community. It's the number one issue. You know, it was the number one issue, you know, 10 years ago when we renewed our quality of life plan. We brought hundreds of community members together to name the major issues of our neighborhood. And, you know, when I think about potential new businesses or new residents coming to our neighborhood or, or, or existing residents and businesses staying in our neighborhood, that's the number one issue people cite. But I do think we have things in our community that's working. And New Life Centers has their Urban Life Skills Program and Violence Interrupters. And Last Chicago has mental health supports. Those are things, Erickson Institute just came into the community with adolescent mental health support in our neighborhood. It's not nearly enough, but I'm very proud of these institutions that that are really doing God's work. And we need to double down with these groups. We need to figure out what's going on with our police and police community relationships because it worked this time but yeah, it quite frankly time, it doesn't it work all the time yes, why didn't why point. doesn't it work all the time why did it work this time and what can it be sustained could this be a turning point or just a blip as i said earlier 
like Melissa's mother, I have hope. I refuse to be the victim of just the thoughts of doubt and despair. I believe in our city. I believe in my community. I believe in us. I hope to my heart that this is a turning point. Let us not be naive. We are going to be subject to more issues like this in our city, but how do we as a city address this? How do we as a country address this? Because if you go to other countries, westernized, this doesn't happen. We have just as many young people, and don't tell me our young people are worse than in other countries. That's not the case. In this country, they have this weird thing called access to firearms. I, I don't get it. We as a society need to address that. I don't know what it's what we're going to need to do that. But at, at the same time, this, this, this issue of the poverty of the soul, I think we need to double down and, and, and really thinking about communities like Little Village, thinking about communities like North Lawndale that, that I also represent, and LeClaire and Garfield and Sleepy Hollow and Little Park and other areas in our city, and how we're really investing in our young people, investing in what works uh, and keeping them safe. The mayor acknowledged the pervasive fear in Little Village and the concern that gangs have taken over in a community that has seen so very much heartbreak, but also has so much pride, as you mentioned. So, do, well, let me stop your... you right there. I, I disagree wholeheartedly with that assessment in my neighborhood. Gangs do not rule our community. Our community does. We are in fear that those gang members are also our, our family members to, to, to teachers and to pastors, their, 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 their neighbors, to people who work in our grocery stores and own businesses. And, and, and they need to be led in the, in the appropriate direction. They are a part of our community, but they do not own our community. This was a we have a strong, also... resistant community. This Go was ahead, a week that also saw you celebrate, finally, zoning approval for the St. Anthony's Hospital Project, a new hospital to be built at 31st and Kedzie on the site of the old Washburn Trade School. And it'll include all kinds of benefits for your community, things like the things you say you need. Why did it take so long to bring this project over the finish line, if it is over the finish line. It started under Richard M. Daly's administration. The CEO and president of St. Anthony's, Guy Magdalia, said this project took more than a decade to get over the finish line because it was a, quote, real horror show about politics and relationships. What exactly did he mean by that? Well, I've been involved with the community and leadership role for, for a rather long time. So I'm very familiar with this project since I was executive director and director of violence prevention at Massachusetts, Chicago. Um, and have really been supportive of St. Anthony, who the Chicago Tribune found is the number one hospital in the city for, for putting vaccines for COVID-19 in the arms of the hardest hit communities, right? This is a, a hospital that's been in our, our neighborhood for you know several generations, right? They're from our neighborhood. And I'm so excited that they're now going to be expanding. I've been in charge of it for a couple of years. I know that they had a number of issues acquiring the whole site. Ten acres of the site were CPS land. And, and now we have a redevelopment agreement. So I've been working on this in an official capacity for two years. 
And it's been difficult even in this two years, I'll have to say. I think um, the project has its naysayers. Um, Why is that? As any, as, as any project will. But I'll tell you this. The plan commission voted unanimously to support this. All 50 of my colleagues and the mayor supported this at city council. I received 1,500 signatures, over 250 letters, um, notes, letters, or calls from every elected official on every level of government in the neighborhood in support of this endeavor. So there's overwhelming support. Um, I, I, I think that um, it's on a good trajectory now. I'm excited for that, and we're, we're, we're going to work hard uh, to get this going and, and make it happen as soon as possible. Why is there no affordable housing component to this? And what would you like to see happen to the old hospital? So the old hospital isn't in my ward, but it is my, my you know, my community definitely uses that space. I'd like to see some public benefit out of it. I, I hear a lot from neighbors and community residents around the need for maybe senior independent housing, possibly senior uh, um, housing uh, uh, that's also uh, dependent, but you know, it's it's really up for the community and the local alderman there to kind of lead that process. I I would love to be involved and and, and will be, um, and think there should be some there there will be some good things going on there. There is plans for affordable housing to be a part of this uh, St. Anthony project at a later date. We're going to cross that bridge at that time, but the first phase will be reg- recreational and educational opportunities, and also the hospital. And then subsequent phases will also have business development and the plan is to have also affordable housing a part of this as well. Also this week, as you mentioned, the landmark status for the Little Village Arch. Why is that so important, a symbol and also in reality to the community, the gateway to your community? Well, well, first of all, this is the first time a Mexican-American architectural um, jewel of our of, of our region is recognized um, with such a designation. Possibly the first uh, Latino-oriented uh, uh, designation as well, um, and also the first architect of uh, first Latino architect to be recognized. Um, so you know this is massive. The arch is in many different. Um, promotional materials for the city of Chicago. It's known wide. It's a, it's a beautiful structure given by the Mexican government to, to our community. It symbolizes the economic vitality and the cultural importance of Little Village of 26th Street and of Mexican Americans across the city of Chicago, not just in our community. I, I think this designation is, is an important one. Um, in and of itself, it's, it, 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 it does nothing. But what it represents and how we leverage it is why it's so important for our community. And of course, the 26th Street Commercial Corridor, the second biggest, most successful in Chicago, second only to like Mich- uh, to uh, Michigan Avenue. Um, the second Magnificent Mile on 26th Street next to the, yeah, yes, the second we, Magnificent Mile. And, and please, mile. or maybe the most magnificent. <laughs> yes, yes. The, you can get, you can get great, uh, great tacos, uh, uh, a friend of mine used to talk about how you can get your, your baptism suit uh, all the way to, um, you know, your, your wedding suit there on 26th Street and everything in between. And then you have the $350 million uh, 
revitalization plan that is for uh, the Leclerc Courts, former Leclerc Courts public housing project. That's another big one. Yeah, I think the two biggest developments on the southwest side of Chicago were in the 22nd Ward um, since the construction of Midway Airport. So uh, the former 600 units of, of CHA housing at Leclerc Courts, uh, those were raised uh, over a decade ago. Um, we found a, a developer to uh, look at the site, and we've gone through two years of planning and community engagement, and we've come up with an amazing project over on 43rd and Cicero. Uh, we have first approvals for 200 units of affordable housing, but also, I believe you don't do affordable housing in a vacuum. You also need to put the community resources around that. So we also, within this development, have approved a 60,000 square foot uh, grocer that has signed a lease that will be uh, first phase and also uh, a federally qualified health center that'll have 200 full-time employees there. They will be providing uh, vaccination, COVID-19 vaccination and testing, but then they will also be doing all sorts of uh, health services there for the communities on the southwest side of Chicago. This development is a game changer. I'm so excited to have stewarded this through the process. We've already got more uh, uh, interest in developing on Cicero Avenue in the last six months than we've heard in the last six years. People who, uh, we have a Dunkin' Donuts that's going to be demolished and, and repaired, and there's going to be a drive through there. I've got a Taco Bell coming in. Uh, we've got a number of uh, exciting projects that have been spurred because of this private development. Can you tell I'm really excited about it? You you sound like you're bubbling over. And at this week's city council meeting, Mike, you also introduced a resolution demanding that Mayor Lightfoot release the inspector general's report of Hilco's botched implosion at the Crawford power plant over the Easter weekend in 2020 that sent a blanket of horrible dust over the, your community. Nobody was fired for that bureaucratic debacle. Why do you want to see the report? Who should be fired? Look, I, I live five blocks from that site uh, where the implosion happened. It was, it, was, it was a travesty that that happened. The company Hilco needs to continue to be held responsible but we know that there were problems at the city level as well. The inspector general recommended reprimands for three individuals and up to a firing of one of those three. And I think what we got was essentially counseling and some written reprimands. I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound like enough. I think there needs to be more restorative justice towards our community because of that incident. And I think part of that happens when you create transparency. And I think that's what this effort's about. The mayor has insisted that the bureaucrats in her administration followed the rules that existed at that time, but that the rules were inadequate. She blames Hilco. You obviously don't agree. And this is not the first time that the mayor has selectively refused to live up to her promise of reform and openness and transparency. She also hasn't released the full IG report on the firing of Eddie Johnson and the botched right on the wrong home of Anjanette Young. Well, let's be clear. There's one thing I do agree with the mayor on this, and that Hilco did not do what they were supposed to do here. 
where we may disagree here is in the transparency piece of this and in the discipline of the city employees who were involved. I think our community deserves more, and I'm going to continue to fight for that. Does she deserve to be reelected? Are you going to be supporting her? Or would you like to see as a, a Hispanic candidate run? Is there any possibility that Chewy Garcia could reprise his mayoral run? What do you think about Lightfoot's chances and who might challenge her? So we have an election upon us uh, that I'm concentrated heavily on. And that's on June 28th of this year. Um, we need to reelect J.B. Pritzker for governor. Um, we need to make sure that we have uh, more progressives in office. Uh, we need people like Senator Villanueva, Representative Gonzalez, Congressman Garcia, uh, Commissioner Anaya reelected. And I will be focused on that. And then you, maybe you can ask me that question in July of this year. And you're I might have a better answer forward, for you. You're not going to fast forward to the mayoral, the, the, the main event in Chicago, as always? Fran, if you would have me back, I promise you, I'd be happy to talk about the mayoral. Um, okay. Right now, I'm concentrated on governing. I'm concentrated on the family of Melissa Ortega. Um, and I'm concentrated on, on bringing justice and safety to my community. I will work with anybody who's willing to do that. I'm committed to that. And we will have our time for elections when that time comes. Mike Rodriguez, thank you so much for joining us. I hope that the coming weeks are not as gut-wrenching, nearly as gut-wrenching as this one has been. Uh, thank you for your friend. leadership, and we will see you all next week. Thank you, friend.